0: welcome to the social lights podcast with kate vandervoort where i interview change makers and innovators on how they connect with their tribe on social media brought to you by social mediology Welcome everyone to the Social Lights podcast. I have with me today Warren Carlisle, who is founder and CEO of OctoNation, the largest octopus fan club, a not-for-profit organization that inspires conservation of the ocean by teaching the world about octopuses, not octopi. He is also the co-founder of the Community Leaders Association and is a community-building strategist who works with purpose-driven brands and influencers to build highly engaged online communities. Warren and his communities have been featured and gotten the attention of celebrities and global organisations such as Michael B. Jordan, Ellen DeGeneres, Joe Rogan, Facebook HQ and more. Warren believes online communities are the lifeblood of brand, a brand relevancy in today's crowded digital marketplace, and especially now given the global pandemic. Welcome, Warren.
1: Hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I am so excited to interview you. Warren and I met because we're both learning mentors with Facebook now on the community certification uh, program. And I have been fascinated with Warren's story about you know, managing the largest, growing and managing the largest Octopus fan club, as well as the amazing work that you do in your agency. So Warren, tell us, what is it that lights you up most? What gets you out of bed in the morning or keeps you up late at night? Now that I know you're a night owl.
1: I would say what lights me up the most is seeing people able to like live their dreams, live their passion, create communities around the things that they love, Uh, Because that's what I was able to do. Uh, And so, you know, for me, it's the largest octopus fan club. But for those of you who are listening, you know, think about what that is for you. Um, And to me, when I see people winning at the thing that they're truly passionate about, I just think the world becomes a better place because they're talking about something It lights them up. They're just their whole demeanor changes. And if they can figure out a way to make that sustainable, that's even better. And so that's, I would say that's what lights me up the most. Yeah, which is exactly. why, which is why we're both Facebook mentors. Right. I mean, which is why we signed up for that because I think we feel the same way is like, you know, when people finally get it, we're like super excited for them.
0: Yeah. And when you can activate that in community, you then that happens on mass, not just at that individual level. Um, mm-hmm. So tell us a bit, cause you've got a really interesting journey to how you came to where you are. Tell us a bit about your journey up to launching OctoNation and your agency.
1: Yeah. So I'll, I'll do a a shorter version of it, but uh, in 2011, I, unfortunately my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and she ended up passing away that same year that she was diagnosed. And I remember uh, I didn't know what to do with myself in the moment. I was very scattered. I was, you know, 22 years old and I remember going to a bookstore and just like I didn't want to be home. And so I went to the bookstore and I was just like walking around and I was like, what am I even going to do with my life? And I was looking at all these books and I was looking at all these directions that I could go. And I wasn't really happy with what I was doing at the moment. And I remember walking down the magazine aisle and seeing all these fashion magazines. And I was like, you know, I don't want to be here anymore. Where do I want to go? And so I walked down the the magazine aisle and I saw all these fashion magazines and I was like, I want to move to New York. (laughs) Like I was living in Texas at the time. I was like, I want to move to New York. And so I was like, how would I even do that? Nobody, I don't know anybody there. And so I laid out all of these fashion magazines and I had it in my head that I would get an internship and I would be uh, an intern for a a celebrity fashion photographer. And I would direct message them on, on Instagram and I would just, you know, they would say yes, because of all the things that I could potentially do for them. And so I sat there and I wrote down a list of all the things that I could potentially do for them as an intern. I was like, you know, I can help you build your brand alongside of the talent that you work with. I can make sure that you get behind the scenes shots. I can make sure. And I just wrote down this list. And then I started reaching out to people that I found. And in about two months, um, I was on a plane to New York. I got an internship uh, with a celebrity fashion photographer, and after working with him for six months, um, I became his studio manager. So I started managing all of his strategic partnerships with global fashion brands like GQ, like GQ Todd Snyder, Uniqlo, Mont Blanc, Calvin Klein, uh, the list goes on and on and just worked with him um, and was in the room with, with like, you know, when they were making marketing decisions for these brands and how they were working with influencers And after a while, that's when I said, well, if all these brands are doing it, um, there's really no barrier to entry with community. They're all using free platforms and they're all just doing strategic collaborations with with celebrities. But I can do that with something that I love, which was (laughs) I've always been obsessed with the octopus. And we can tell that story later. But I thought, you know, the octopus needs a bigger platform. Um, And I had read the book, The Soul of an Octopus by Cy Montgomery. And she talks about how the octopus was a largely demonized animal. And I read that and I thought, no, they just need a better PR agent. And then it, like, I had this light bulb moment where I was just like, I could build the largest octopus fan club. And uh, so I started building it on the side when I was working with in New York with Chunkai, Kai and it ended up taking off really quickly because of all the stuff that I had learned, all these strategic partnerships, collaborations. I just did the same thing, but I was representing the octopus. And so I did, you know, uh, interviews with New York Times bestselling authors, with professors, with underwater photographers, with I just made this whole entire strategy and it started taking off Uh, enough so that I ended up leaving my job in New York for it.
0: That's such a great story. I've got so many questions about that. So if we go back to... Um, firstly, how exciting it must have been to be in fashion as social media was really evolving because it's such a natural platform for fashion uh, I mean, c- you know, yeah, communities it's, 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 to be.
1: Especially Instagram. Instagram was probably the biggest platform that was driving uh, fashion um, at the time. And companies were growing increasingly aware that um, people weren't really... Relating to celebrities as much as they were, they were growing increasingly irrelevant because they just didn't have enough face time with the consumer, with their their fans. Whereas, you know, influencers or YouTubers were going live every single day. They were, you know, uh, demonstrating products. They were demonstrating clothes, uh, and you felt like you had a better connection with them than you did, you know, a celebrity. And so brands shifted their focus and started looking for, uh, for influencers, uh, for people that had you know, sizable followings and doing strategic collaborations with them. And I was there during that time. And I think that's really what inspired me. I was like, if they're choosing, if, if these people are the future, you know, community leaders or just everyday people like you and me, then I need to jump in on this because they're not doing anything that I can't do. And for those of you listening, they're not doing anything that you can't do. So, you know, it's possible for everyone.
0: Yeah, that's it's a great distinction. And we're going to go deeper into that. But my other reflection on what you were just saying um, in your journey is, I mean, I've been banging on about community and relationship on social media for 12 years since I started my company. But what I've found is that a lot of the industry didn't really embrace the concept of community or even truly understand that concept of community until almost quite recently. So at, at what point in your career did you start acknowledging the difference between just social media platforms and community?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I have to think on that one. I would say that I have never been a person to evangelize a um, a CEO or a brand to believe what I'm telling them. Um, I've never been in that position. I was just like, I will just show you um, how much you're missing out with with data, with data, or however you want to say it, with facts. And I think that the fact of the matter was there was an overwhelming case for the affinity that uh, people had for community leaders. And so I don't think I called them community leaders at the time or like anything like that. I mean, they always called them influencers. Um, but I think it was just this natural progression where it just became overwhelming Um uh, you know I work with people now like we have a, a store here in the states uh, called Hobby Lobby or Michaels and it's a craft store and they were only able to really get 600 people to show up on a live and they worked with one of my clients um, uh, Damon Oates, and they crashed all of their systems because there were so many people trying to sign up to get on on live with them and again it's just one of those cases where it's overwhelming um, I mean that, the affinity that people have for these community leaders where you just have to put a brand or put somebody in a situation where they just, you know, community leader knocks it out of the park and that in and of itself changes their mind. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I've always just been able like, okay, well let's do a test with something, you know, um, let's work with so-and-so, or I would go out because this was my job. And I worked with, uh, Kai and worked with some brands is I had to go and out locate influencers. And I would always choose the ones that I knew. I just knew they were going to knock it out of the park and really convince the brand, um, where we need to double down on this because, you know, we didn't get this much return on investment when we worked with, you know, insert name of celebrity, we we really need to grow this division out. So I think I just, um, I, I was in the the space where I could actually, you know, make these decisions. And I was always the person around the table of, of marketing people talking that I would wait till everybody was finished talking. And I'd be like, I really love what everybody had to say, but <laughs> let's think about all these, all these things, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I just, that's just kind of where I was.
0: Yeah, interesting. And I think community can mean different things to different people, too. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I know that for a lot of the people listening, they have an amazing idea or an amazing startup or an amazing concept, and they kind of accidentally amass a tribe or a community around them, and Mm -hmm. are then scrambling to figure out what to do with that. And it sounds like that's a lot of the work that you do, um, that you do as well. But Tell me, let's go into that, why you started OctoNation and what your vision is for OctoNation.
1: So I started OctoNation again, after I read the book, The Soul of an Octopus by Simon Montgomery. And just to expand on that first three pages, which just completely, you know, I had wondered, you know, I was seven years old when I saw an octopus for the first time. I was at uh, a school field trip. And I was at the end of the line because I was always kind of like, I was a misbehavior and for, for good reason. <laughs> so we were, we were supposed to be walking single file, not touching anything and just walking and looking at the animals. And because I was on the end and because they didn't stop where I wanted to stop, I just dipped out uh, off of the line and I was like, bye everybody. And so I went my own way and I found myself in front of this octopus exhibit and I was looking up at it and I was like, that thing has got to be an alien. I was like, that's, it's just so cool. And, uh, and it was like it was swirling its arms around. And, um, I was just like, you know, this is, it's an incredible animal. And so I went to the library and there weren't any resources on the octopus. And I was like, what is up? Like there's resources on turtles on, on all these other animals. Why aren't there any books for octopus? And it wasn't until like way later that I read that book and I thought, Oh, they've been highly misrepresented, highly mischaracterized. Um, uh, demonized in Hollywood films for the past 100 years. And I thought it's so crazy to me because there's over 300 species. They, they all have unique superpowers depending on where they live in the ocean. And I and I was like, read Simon Montgomery's book and I thought nobody has thought to storytell about how magnificent, ancient, incredible these creatures are. And I was like, I guess I'll be the person that that does that. And so when I was working in New York, I just went to the drawing board like I would if I was working with a brand or an influencer. And I said, okay, if I if this is my storyline, you know, octopuses are the superheroes of the sea. Um, then who do I need to strategically collaborate with that caters to an audience that has an affinity for wildlife or for the ocean that could help me get that message out in a bigger way to grow this, this community of people? So I immediately started thinking about. You know who out there is talking about the octopus and so i i looked at what brands were talking about the octopus what professors what magazines what journalists what i did like this huge analysis of the market and i was like yep nothing exists like this um and so i was like okay how can i feature them or how can i work with these people and, and create these really fun campaigns like one of our campaigns is called interview with an octopus where we go to aquariums all over the world And we interview um, the cephalopod keeper or the octopus keeper. And we ask them questions on Facebook live or Instagram live. And it's a great opportunity for us to connect with somebody who's really knowledgeable. They in turn market Octonation as the largest octopus fan club. And so we grow our authority in the market as somebody who's creating these really valuable and insightful, you know, you know, lessons around the octopus And that's just one of like, you know, 30 different campaigns, you know, that I was like thinking about or launching. And so that's just how my brain has worked Um, ever since I started. It was just, you know, how do we inspire wonder of the ocean by teaching the world about octopuses? Um, Lots of kids are apathetic about the ocean because they don't live close to it. Um, And so I thought, how can we bring the octopus to social media in a way that inspires kids and adults to look towards the ocean as something that that is, that deserves to be protected. Um, And I thought we can do this in a really fun and sustainable way um, by just educating about how cool they are. And so I just dreamed up campaigns that would achieve that result. And I've been doing that ever since.
0: (laughs) And when that community started to grow following OctoNation, what, what are some of the things that happen in the community around people connecting with each other? Do they build relationship and have dialogue and, you know, has the community kind of taken on its own?
1: Yeah. Life? So, if, Yeah. If you, um, one of our questions, if you join the group um, is, how did you hear about Octonation? And it used to be where it was like, you told me about it or like, you know, you were in an Uber with me and you told me about it. And now it's, I was at a coffee shop and I have an octopus tattoo and somebody told me to follow the group. I was, I heard you on NPR. Um, I, you know, it's just all of these stories about people that have, have connected with somebody who shares their love and fascination for the creature. And because we've gotten to the point where we've been featured so many different places now, it's just gotten to this point where it's just taken off. Um, but there's just so many different things. People that have octopus tattoos, underwater photographers or videographers, amateur or pro in the group that are sharing different ways to take photos of them, you know, ethical ways. And um, there's just so many different interactions that happen. One of my favorite interactions um, that happened was I have an admin of the group and um, somebody posted in the group that it was their bucket list uh, to meet an octopus in person. And that they had um, stage four cancer. And my admin was like, we live in the same city. And I was like, okay. And she was just like, I'm going to reach out to him because she, she has uh, taken care of octopuses for 13 years. And she actually had one in her living room. And so she picked him up from chemo treatment one day after having a conversation, you know, with him and introduced him. uh, And I sent her a t-shirt for him uh, and just created this experience for him. And, uh, two or three months later, he ended up passing away. So he succumbed to cancer. And I'd like to think that like we created his bucket list item and it's just things that you don't know are going to happen in your community. Like there's all these moments that you're, I wasn't planning for that. I didn't know that this was ever going to be a thing, but it just happens. And there's so many cool stories like that, that have happened for the past five years in Octonation where I could probably write a book. now. <laughs> There's just so many cool touching stories.
0: And that, I think that's the beauty of community is when it takes on a life of its own and, and those stories that come out that you could never have controlled, you could never have manufactured. And, you know, as marketers, we're often looking for how do we manufacture those moments? But true community for me is always when those moments just come organically.
1: For sure. Mm.
0: Um, and so... I'm really interested. I know, um, well, actually, I'll ask you this first. So what came first, the agency where you do this with other brands and, and community leaders or OctoNation, which came first out of those two?
1: So after I left New York, I mean, I didn't go full-time into my uh, into the nonprofit. I actually didn't go full-time and I'm actually not still full-time into the nonprofit. I I still, you know, reinvest all of the the money that I get into hiring science writers and things like that. When I left New York, I started at like a consulting um, agency where I would uh, work with influencers to really make sure that brands were giving them what they were worth because I found that brands were really um, trying to take advantage and exploit a lot of the influencers that I was working with because they thought, oh, well, they don't know any better. And so I was like, well, they know better if I'm working with them. So I was kind of like a a bulldog for these influencers being like, no, like the number, the numbers, like you obviously don't understand numbers. So let me break down what their engagement rate is. Let me break down what they typically convert at. And let me break down what you think that you're giving them and that, you know, and uh, after that, like, I just would constantly raise the rates of what influencers were getting. Um, and then I, I started realizing that I didn't really want to work in the fashion space anymore. I would, I would rather work with purpose-driven. And that's like kind of what you read in my intro. I am more interested in working with people that are capable of having these highly intellectual nuanced conversations that don't understand how to build a platform, but their voices need to be heard. Um, those people are more interesting to me. Um, than people who are trying to sell uh, a cami or you know some some board shorts um, that have literally no really ethical or moral compass behind them. They're just they're just really good looking or attractive people. Like I left that world a long time ago and not saying that you can't have both, somebody with a moral compass and who has a ma- amazing brand. But who really interested me were just these community leaders that were like almost, solving racial inequities that were, uh, you know, passing legislation that were um, doing really important work and they didn't understand marketing. And so I thought I can come in and I can teach you how to get your message out by strategically collaborating with organizations, brands, um, being an ambassador for certain brands. And a lot of these thought leaders that have something really amazing to say, they're not typically represented um, and they don't know that they need representation. And so I, I typically pick and choose for people, like people that I'm like, okay, I want to advance their voice uh into the market. And so I'm always finding talent that I'm just like, ooh, I really want to get your message out. Uh and so I I've kind of balanced both Octonation and that um until just recently when I launched the Community Leaders Association because I love Facebook and I love working with Facebook. Uh, but I saw uh, an opportunity for there to be higher-level training, um, and wanted to facilitate that higher-level, higher lever- higher-level higher training with community leaders that were ready for more, faster. Um, and so that's why I created the Community Leaders Association was to 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 facilitate those conversations at a high level and to train at a higher high level. So.
0: Excellent. So interesting how all those things have woven together for you. Uh, Now, one of the things I've loved when we've been in our learning cohort rooms is hearing some of your um, strategies and your framework. So talk to me about your seven C's of building a fanatical community. I know it's something that our readers will, (laughs) our listeners will um, certainly value.
1: Yes. So I've developed this framework after working with hundreds if not thousands of of people uh, and community leaders on what it takes to build a fanatical community um, and i've boiled it down to these seven c's of, of building a fanatical community and the first one is uh clarity um so you can't really go anywhere uh, if you're not clear about what the community is and so i always say it needs a very clearly defined who and what and the more vague those two things are the more you you have the potential to alienate people within your community. And so to give you an example, if, if you're um, a woman who wants to help somebody who wants to help other people who have chronic pain, if you create a community of people that suffer chronic pain, um, then what happens is in the community, you're going to have people that have lupus, you're going to have people that have cancer, you're going to have people that have all these illnesses, and they're going to start... Um, not being able to relate to one another or saying my illness is worse than your illness. And you never wanted to get into a situation where you've developed a community where it's, you're facilitating people to have that conversation. So I always say, if, if specialize, you know, if you want to help women who suffer chronic debilitating migraine uh, and that's it. Then there's plenty of space in that space for you to create a community around that. And that's like an example of, of somebody that I helped narrow that focus down. Um, she has a community for just women who suffer chronic debilitating migraine. So that's clarity. Then you move on to core values, and core values are going to be kind of like the brand identity, like your your um, collective identity. So what are things that you like fundamental core values that your community has? because if you don't really have those down you're going to manifest people that don't really understand why they're in this community or really what they're bound by like what aspirational values should they all share and so you'll get trolls you know in your comment section but if they know that these are the rules these are the values then you can always point back to this is this is what you agreed upon when we came in this group so with Octonation, we don't show the mistreatment of animals. We don't show um, massive amounts of pollution. Um, we like we don't show pictures of pollution. Uh, we don't uh, Aquarius shame. So we're never going to say drain the tanks, you know, because we believe Aquarius are on the front line of ocean conservation on a daily basis. So there's all these values and beliefs that we have that you have to make sure that you're clear, or you're going to have people coming in and, and and fighting. So that's core values.
0: And it's interesting how when you're super clear on those core values, it actually really contributes to the moderation job. And, yeah. and, and, and people never- self-select a lot of the time and opt out because they feel like it's not a not a place for them if you're really clear.
1: And you want to constantly reaffirm your values in the group. I always say, like, if you decline a post or if you, you know, if if you don't allow something to happen or a conversation's going crazy, you can't just uh, delete posts or comments without reaffirming, hey, this is why this is not okay. Because actually here, we don't, if, if, if there's a photo of a um, a man holding his daughter and they're looking at a, um, a dolphin or they're looking at an octopus and you say something along the lines of, oh, it's a shame that that creature you know uh, in captivity, like it's in a jail cell and things like that. That's not the intention that this person had when they posted this photo in this community. it's not a place for you to intention hijack and um, complete this like build this narrative that doesn't exist that does nothing for the morale of this group and it's just completely short-sighted and we just don't allow that here and so your other group members need to see evidence of hey this isn't cool Um, and you need to give context. you should give context to that and do you you do that
0: publicly or do you do that privately
1: so it, it depends. So it depends on the like infraction. But uh, if it if I feel like it's a place to teach, or if if I feel like this person just doesn't belong, I typically have like a one strike you're out rule. <laughs> I mean, honestly, with an octonation, because we have so many different members where I'm just like, you know, I'm like, I don't know if you can be saved. <laughs> like, this is, you said something pretty awful. Like
0: my tolerance levels have gone yeah. from a hundred to zero in the last yeah, five if you're years. Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> if you're like highly critical, like, um, if you tell, like, if you say like, wow, this tattoo is hideous, you should be ashamed of yourselves or something you're gone. You can do that on your personal and your personal time to your friends, like, but not here, like, this is not your space. Um, I used so to that, always
0: be very, very, um, tolerant and, you know, would tell clients, you can't just block or get rid of people. Like you need to engage and you need to, uh, my tolerance levels are so <laughs> much less than they used to be. Yeah, because, because And I you think know, there's so much more education now around trolling and abuse on social media and we need to have a zero tolerance for and it.
1: Not everybody is a fit and people are trying to, um, uh like educate people to be a fit for their community. And sometimes they're just really not a fit. And you have to understand not everybody belongs in your community. Um and it's not for you to constantly have to educate. Um sometimes it's just like nope, you didn't you you didn't pass the vibe check, as they would say. <laughs> so that's that's core values. Um and then after that you have content. Um so content is how are you deserving of your community's attention on a daily basis? What what campaigns have you created or content campaigns have you created that you can genuinely say when i post this i genuinely feel like this is worth somebody uh, like during their lunch break or wherever they're out in the wild like this is deserving of somebody's attention um and if if you can't say without a doubt yes or like this is just a filler post or this is we're just this is just a check on the marketing checklist if you can't genuinely say this is deserving of someone's attention. You need to go back to the drawing board with, you know, you know entertaining educational content. Um, and so I always say that the reason content is, is the third C is because the, your content needs to show evidence of your core values, one, and it needs to serve to drive marketplace clarity, your first C. And so you can't really jump to creating content if there's no clarity and you never want to, like, you always want to infuse your core values or else to me, I feel like you're diluting what could be a very strong brand identity, right? And so those first three th- C's are the probably the most important um, and that's foundational. And so then I get over to the fourth one, which is collaboration. And this is my zone of genius. This is my favorite part. Uh, this is why I, I created that consulting because I love looking at a community leader and saying, these are all these brands, very similar to like what I did with OctoNation that are talking about, um, something, or they would be really interested in featuring you as an ambassador because you would provide value to their community in a way that they can't because you're such a professional at this. Like you're so an expert at talking about this subject. And so I love lining up opportunities for community influencers with like different brands, organizations. Um, Like uh, to give you an example with that woman that helps women who suffer chronic debilitating migraine. uh, Even before she had a follower in her Facebook group, I I had already connected with her with like the national headache foundation, the association of migraine disorders, like all these organizations. And she was like, I don't have any, I don't have any followers yet. I'm like, you don't need followers. And I was like, you're a, a representation of Uh, a mother who has two kids that also unfortunately have chronic debilitating migraine, um, and you're a PhD, you're the perfect ambassador to go into these organizations to speak on migraine, you don't need a community for that. And I think that's a good lesson for everybody here is they think when I get a thousand followers or when I get 200 people in my group, or maybe, you know, that I'm deserving of reaching out to collaborate it's like, if you're an expert for any length of time, like you mentioned for 15 years or so you've been doing this, you deserve to be at the highest level right now. So what brands are doing that? And like you had mentioned that you're speaking at like Agora Pulse. like, so what other brands are next? <laughs> you know what I mean? At the highest level, they need to, they need your expertise. And so collaboration is just one of those C's where it just lights me up um, because, I, like I think it's because like the, that bulldog for me that like worked with influencers comes out, and I'm just like, ooh, like who can we put you with? Um, so and and I love first- that
0: because it's actually a piece that um particularly with people that I work with who tend to be 40 plus, yeah. You know, I tend to work with a bit of an older demographic who are not digital natives, and a lot of this does not come naturally to them. And collaboration is such a great way to um, gently kind of step out with support around you rather than being the only voice about whatever it is that yeah that people are representing
1: and the collaboration is the fourth C, so I always tell people so remember the other C's you when you collaborate with someone, you have to make sure that they share your core values um, that they're creating content that makes sense for your brand as well um, and that they um, that it makes sense like It has to be, the collaboration has to make, to me, I feel like um, you don't want it to backfire on you because we've all
0: seen terrible collaborations in the media where you just go, Oh, why did they do that?
1: (laughs) You have to be very aware of that brand's track record. And if they have a bad track record or they're, they're representing somebody else who's problematic, then maybe you should say no. And there's been plenty of organizations that have wanted to collaborate with, with me that I look at their lineup of people that they've worked with in the past. And I go like, no way. And there's like no way I would ever. And it's weird because here I am in this position of like, you know, these, these organizations are like 30 times, 50 times bigger than, than what I'm doing. And yet I, you still have to be like, does this make sense for, for my brand? Does this brand share my core values? And if the answer is no, then your values make the decision for you, not your ego. Um, and so after collaboration, um, then you have, um, connection and connection is how are you making your community members feel seen? Um, it's really important that if you have a community that you're creating campaigns that allow for your, your members to feel seen and heard. And so, um, what that looks like is, you know, um, me featuring people that, you know, have bought from Octonation. So like, say they have an Octonation t-shirt, um, You know, say it's spotlighting underwater photographers uh, that have have shot a photo of an octopus or something, you know, maybe doing a spotlight on photographers um, talking about their story, Um, because a lot of these people, they've never been featured. They've never been profiled. And to this day, the people that we feature on Octonation say it changed my life. Um, I didn't think that I, you know, was worthy of being featured. And all of a sudden now I'm, I'm a sponsored photographer and, uh, or, um, I'm an artist that just started their Etsy store. And because you featured me, you were able to jumpstart my business. And now I'm an artist full time. Like there's just so many stories of people that we've, we've put on the map, um, that they'll never going to forget their affinity to our, our community. And it's just so good for the morale overall for our community Um, So when I, when I look at working with a community later, I go, you know, when we get to the connection part, I go, what opportunities are there for you to make your community members feel seen? Because as of right now, I'm not seeing any campaigns where you're actually spotlighting. I was like, you're kind of on a pedestal and you need to come down and, you know, start creating campaigns that allow uh, your members to, to, to see their transformations and stuff like that. So that that's the the general around connection, and then you get into uh, conversion, uh, and conversion is kind of like a marketing term. And I I probably like it's it's the one that my partner made me put in because he goes, you're talking about all these C's, and you never mentioned money. And I said because community leaders do not have to sell because if you're doing all of these C's in the fanatical community, you know uh, method then they're just going to buy from you when you have something to buy because you're creating so much enormous value. Like me, you know, with donation. I didn't even think to sell. I just, you know, I told them, hey, you know, we have like this past week, I said, we just launched a sticker set um, and I had over 300 orders in one day. You know, they w- because I provide so much enormous value on an ongoing basis and my campaigns are entertaining and formative and fun, that it's effortless. When I go to sell something, I don't even think about it. I just present the opportunity that is, hey, we have this new opportunity and everyone buys it. So, but I put it in conversion because, you know, people want to know how to make money with their community. And um, so conversion is all about how do you ethically convert people from um, what you're doing to, to an offer? So you can't do any slimy things like put countdown timers or like, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Um, a lot of the things that marketers do, I'm just like, eh, they don't have communities. They have, they have Facebook ads that are very transactional and they don't really care about community. They're just looking for that sale. And I like, can't get behind that. Some, you know, I don't want to get into that, but. Oh, it's so our,
0: refreshing to come yeah. across somebody else in the industry that works in the same way that I yeah. do. I'm just like,
1: I'm like, you don't <laughs> need to rare. do it. I'm like, you don't need to do any of that if you're if you're truly providing value on an ongoing basis. There's no convincing people that there, there's a fear of missing out because if you go to your, your connection C and you're providing opportunities for your community members to be seen and you're creating these transformation campaigns that show the very real proof that you're having a profound impact on their life, when you go to present something, they're going to buy it. Like there's no thought about it. And Do so you that, find
0: though that some people come to you because conversion is the piece they think they need and yeah. then it's an education process to but bring yes. them up to state on the Some of them
1: come to me and they just say, I just want to make more money with my community. And like, that's why I always say I work with purpose-driven entrepreneurs. And I said, that doesn't sound real purpose-driven. So what is the transformation that you're looking to make on these people's lives? Because I'm not hearing it through you just saying you want to make more sales. So I kind of go I back, to the, I kind of push them back to the first C and I'm just like, who and what, you know, what are you doing for them? And why are you doing for them? What are your values? What do you, and sometimes I'm like, okay, the call's over. Like you're not somebody who I'm interested in working with um, because you cannot, you know, genuinely tell me, you know, what's the reason behind doing this. And I was just like, if you just want to sit on a beach and you don't want to provide any true transformation in these people's lives, I'm not the person for you. So I just ended the call. Um, Then the last C is uh, consistency. And how do you do this in a way that's sustainable? Community leaders are always burning themselves out. I burnt myself out. I can't tell you how many times I've just said, I don't want to do any of this anymore. I'm done. Um, And it was only until I started being like, okay, I'm not done. I woke up the next morning and was like, okay, I'm not done. (laughs) So how do I, how do I not feel like that again? You know, how can I create this in a way that's sustainable? So that's really what I learned about how to delegate uh, tasks to different team members. So, you know, how do you develop moderators and admins? How do you make them aware of your core values and your, your clarity, like your marketing statements to where they understand the vision, the mission, uh, the community vision, the community mission. Um, and they're on, uh, they're on the same path as you, like they they feel lit up, they want to, they look for opportunities for you. And uh, the last C is really kind of how I, I map that out for the community leader, and how I build the support system under them so that they don't say, I'm overwhelmed, um, which is happens to new community leaders, but I'm like, okay, well, remember, you know, we built out the support system. So you know, are you using it? They're like, well, no, I'm not. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> let's remember the why time. they're there. <laughs> let's remember why they're there. They all want to help you. They're on payroll, um, so why don't we, you know, look to them and and offload some more of these things that you really don't need to be doing. So it's just you know working with them in their corner and helping them, you know, realize that you know just bring them back. Here's your community vision. Here's your community mission. Here are all the comments that you're getting that are people that have said that you profoundly changed their life. And I kind of bring them back to a space of here's your why. Um, and, uh, and so that seems that's that whole method has seemed to work really well for me. And so, um, those of you who are listening, I hope you were writing all those C's down. Um,
0: we'll have them in the show notes.
1: Okay, cool. So, so yeah, just go back to those C's and typically the longest conversation that I have with people is on the first one. Um, they don't, they, the community leaders tell me, I don't want to pigeonhole myself. Um, I, I don't want to leave anybody out. And I said, don't think about people who you're leaving out. Think about the community that you're creating for people that are finally going to feel seen, appreciated, because you've created a community just for them, you know, don't go to a space of, wow, I feel like I'm leaving these people out because my framework could help everybody. I'm like, okay, well, Facebook doesn't like (laughs) when (laughs) Facebook, doesn't feel like you have a connection to your community. If you're catering to 70 different market segments. So the algorithm, you know, I don't want to get too geeky for people listening, but they can't handle too many different market segments. They don't know how to distribute your content. Um, if you're catering to men, women, kids, um, for everything and everybody, but they can, if you work with women who suffer chronic debilitating migraine, who are looking to get more stuff done throughout the day, Facebook goes, oh, I know how to, to, to find those people or to, to recommend your groups to people who have self-identified as, as having these things, um, they're they're easy with that they're not good if if you say i help all i help all women entrepreneurs make more money online (laughs) facebook's algorithm goes okay the tech industry the food service industry like what how are you like that's how the the algorithm thinks so i'm always going back to clarity and really saying who are you going to help first what's the problem that you're going to solve for them that's the community that we're going to start with. And as you get bigger, we can get broader, but unfortunately you don't have you know, the same marketing budget as Nike. So mm-hmm. you can't, you can't cater to 90 or hundred different market segments right now. You can cater to one. <laughs> so, but obviously when I work with brands, it's a different story, but I feel like community leaders, they, they are still very broad with who they want to help. And I, I want to narrow the focus down even more so that people are very clear. And
0: for uh, for listeners out there who have a community of some kind mm -hmm. um, at what point in the Octonation journey did you decide to monetize the group and what were the signs that you knew it was the right time to do that?
1: So the cool thing about um, Octonation is the the way that I developed my campaigns out. They were so informative, entertaining and fun that people started asking me if they could just donate money to me. And I, this, I wasn't set up as a nonprofit, but they said, we really like what you're doing. Like you're, how are you, like, how are you able to create all this content? They're like, we'd really like to support you or, you know, what you're doing, where can we send 50 bucks, hundred bucks here or there. Um, and then people started asking me for merchandise. They're like, where can we get, you know, uh, Octonation stickers? And I was like, they don't exist. And so I'd say that there was this overwhelming demand for people that just wanted things and I didn't produce any. And so I was like, oh, like, I guess I thought about that last because my mind was just thinking about creating so much value that I wasn't thinking about monetizing.
0: Well, they're and, always the most successful communities are so the yeah. ones that start out to deliver the value and then the rest appears as opposed to starting out. Yeah. with. The and so I would
1: value. say that when I when I actually did turn on uh, opportunities for people to to, I would say, invest in the community because I I hate to say making money off of your community because community leaders are very easily triggered by the idea of exploiting their community members for money. And I get that if you're a community leader and you're listening, you're probably like, Oh, make money from my community. That's disgusting. But the way I see it is they're really investing in the idea that is your community and is your community vision and mission. And so my community mission is to inspire wonder of the ocean by teaching the world about octopuses my community vision is to become a global leader in marine wildlife or actually in wildlife education, research, and conservation to achieve that vision, which I don't think I don't know if I'll ever achieve it to become a global leader in, in education, research, and conservation. I looked at other organizations that are doing those things at a very high level. They're bringing in hundreds of millions of dollars every single year. So when I looked at that, I was like, I really need to get my community on board to um, help us hire more science writers, help us uh, license more video content. I need to uh, think about bigger strategic collaborations, which is why I've collaborated with Facebook. I've collaborated with you know all these other brands because I was like, I need to create a bigger impact if I want to achieve this community vision. And so if you're not wanting to, if you're like really hesitant to want to monetize I say, rework your vision uh, for your community and what it could be, and then understand to typically reach that vision, it's gonna require you creating tools, tips, resources that people can invest in to invest in the community to make it bigger. Um, And so it it could be merchandising, it could be um, downloading checklists, uh, it could be signing up for an event that you bring in guest expert speakers, I mean, there's all sorts of ways that you can think about, you know, you could do a Facebook event and charge them three bucks, 10 bucks, you know, whatever you want to charge them. Um, But at some point your, your community is going to want to invest to to take your community to the next level. And so it's just being aware when you've reached that point. Um, And it could be right from the beginning. You could build that in right from the beginning. Um, But that's, I guess that's my answer for that one.
0: (laughs) I feel like we could talk for hours. I know, we really could because
1: <laughs> when I meet like, when I meet somebody who also who also works with community leaders and who's so passionate about their exe- success, I always want to exchange like all of like what, what you know. Give me some of your case studies or you know whatever, <laughs> because there's just so many people out there that are doing so like that are doing such an incredible job, but they need uh, people like us to like just be like, "Ooh, I love what you're doing, but have you ever thought about making it bigger?" <laughs> <laughs> And I I find that I'm that visionary um, and I feel like you're that visionary for the people that you work with. It's like, yeah, I I really love that. But imagine if this was sponsored by so-and-so, or imagine if you did a panel with, you know, so-and-so brought to you by this brand that, you know, could totally take this to the next level and reach a completely new audience. And so that's just kind of my thought process process. Now, after I work with a community later, it's like, what's your vision and they're like, I want, you know, um, like I know with Emily, she, she wants there to be more representation for women, uh, like women attorneys. And she wants more women to be in, in positions of like in power and uh, more seats at the table. And so she wanted to create a community where she could demonstrate her prowess, her brilliance. Um, and we've just seen uh, in all of her comments, people saying, hey, I just took the LSAT and passed. You were the person that pushed me through it. And so I know that this is like, I know that a lot of people listening, like your voice is what somebody is waiting for to have those transformations to be larger than life. Um, and it's connecting and, and really figuring out what it looks like to operate as a community leader and connecting with people like Kate to like really figure out how can I, how can I take this vision to the next level? And so I'm just honoured to to do this work on a daily basis because it just lights me up.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. So last question, Warren, as we do wrap up and then I'll um, get you to share where people can connect with you. But what's one thing you would really like people to do differently?
1: Let's see. I think it goes back to, back to the beginning when my, um, what started this whole journey for me was really when my mom passed away in 2011, um, this whole idea that tomorrow is not promised. Um, you have the opportunity to start your legacy and and build it today. And so for me, I think, you know, when people listen to me, they think, oh, wow, he sounds really confident. And I think a lot of that confidence comes from, you know, my mom passed away when I was 22 I wasn't expecting that, and so when I reach out to brands on behalf of influencers, when I reach out to brands on behalf of Octonation, I in the back of my mind I'm thinking, you know, tomorrow's not promised to me. You know, tomorrow's not promised to any of us. And so when I reach out and to a brand and I really want to foster this relationship at the highest level, um, I'm I just think you know, I need this to happen, or I, I really want this to happen. I, I like, I want this dream to happen a lot faster. And I know that it can happen if I believe in myself and I believe in what I'm doing. And so I think that confidence comes from that, that, you know, experience that I had at 22. And so I think the biggest issue that most community leaders face or aspiring community leaders, uh, is, confidence having more confidence early on really believing in your community vision and your community mission writing it out and then start swinging to the rafters start immediately connecting at the highest level to provide the highest value to your community because there's millions of communities on Facebook but there's not that I wouldn't say that there's that many people that have the confidence that have listened to this podcast that have the confidence to really say you know what I'm going to provide the highest value to my community, even if there's seven people in this community. I'm going to start reaching out to brands, thought leaders, New York Times bestselling authors um, to provide the the coolest content, the most extreme value. And I think if you start from that place where you're fired up, um, that your community is going to take off and soar because you didn't think that you needed to have 700 followers before you started creating valuable content like start with seven members. So I would say the the number one thing that I would change was just having more confidence and belief in yourself um, as a community leader. Like if you if you have that clearly defined vision and mission, then start acting like it and reach out, you know, and, and make it bigger than you.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. I do really feel like we could talk for hours. I've got so many other questions. We might need to do a part two to this podcast. Sure, yeah. I'm, I'm always <laughs> but- down. Thank you so much, Warren, for being here today. And how would you like people to connect with you if they're keen to find out more about octopuses (laughs) or the work that you're doing?
1: So if you're, if you, if you want to learn about octopuses, because like I said, there's over 300 species um, and you can get lost into them. If you just go to octopusfanclub.com, that will forward you to our um, Facebook group. Um, you can always go to octonation.com. We have Octopedia, which is an octopus encyclopedia. So you can look through that too. Um, if you're interested in uh, looking at the Community Leaders Association or you want to check that out, um, you can go to communityleadersassociation.com and look at that. Um, but those are all the places that I'm at right now. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited to connect with everybody.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Warren. Talk sure, we'll to you Thank you for joining us on the Social Lights podcast produced by Social Mediology. You can connect with us on Facebook at Social Lights Podcast and you can find today's show notes and more episodes at socialmediology.com.au forward slash sociallights. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast platform to receive future episodes and share with your tribe to inspire others to action.